Welcome to the Growing in Love for Life podcast, where it's all about saving and strengthening your marriage and creating the relationship you really deserve and want to have. And now, from growinginloveforlife.com, relationship and marriage coach and best-selling author, your host, Liam Naden. This is episode 13 of the Growing in Love for Life podcast. Hi everyone, it's Liam Naden here. Welcome back to this episode. And what I want to do this week is do something a little bit different to what I've been doing. And if you've been following this podcast for a while, remember this is episode 13, so if you've listened to some or, as I know a lot of people have, maybe all of the previous 12 podcasts, if you're really following this, I think one thing you will have picked up is that I'm giving you a lot of a lot of real information that you can use to really make a difference in your marriage to help you to save it if you're really really struggling and finding in, that you've got great problems and even if you just want it to make it a lot better even if it's not too bad and you just want to make it a lot better a lot more fulfilling and exciting and, and passionate and really a wonderful place to be I'm sure you'll notice what what I'm trying to do with these podcasts is give you some real practical things that you can do that's, that are going to make a difference. And that really is my mission. I'm, I'm not a counsellor by background. I'm not one of those people who wants to just talk about your problems and, and really just even just make you feel better. That's not my goal. My goal is to help you get some real results, some some real differences in your relationship so that you can say, that your relationship is a lot better than it's maybe ever been. So that's that's what I'm trying to do. But my question to you is, even though I'm giving you all of these ideas and have been, are you actually using any of them? Now, I hope the answer to that is that you are doing doing some things. But, but what I want to cover in, in this episode of the podcast series is something a little bit different. And it's really... What I want to try and do is give you some, if you like, motivation or some tools so that you can start using some of these ideas, using this material and really getting some results because you're only going to see some difference if you actually do things. So I want to cover a bit of this in this episode and I think you're going to find it pretty interesting. (laughs) So anyway, if you want to save your marriage, if your spouse is leaving or if things just aren't the way you want them to be, if you want to create a great relationship, there are really only two things you need to do, or there are only two things that you need. The first is you need the right information. So you need to to know what is the right thing to do. What what are the things that are going to do that are going to make the difference and going to get you the result that you want in your situation? So that's the first thing, because if you've got the wrong information, then obviously you're not going to get a result. Not, not going to get the right result. So you need to know the right things to do. And the second thing that you need is that you simply need to do the right things. You need to take some action. And this is where a lot of people fall down. But let's look at these two things in detail. The right information. Well, where do you get the right information? Well, I'd like to think, and I know for certain, I'm convinced that what I can offer you and what I've been offering you in these podcasts is the right information. 
And I don't say that lightly. I say it because I know that it actually works from practical experience, from my own experience and from my experience in helping other people. I know these, these things really do work. And again, if you've listened to them, you'll see they're very different to counselling. And often they seem quite counterintuitive, the ideas that I'm presenting, but they really do work. And I just want to give you a very quick background into how, how I've developed these ideas and developed this information and where I've got it from so that you'll have a bit more confidence that if you haven't tried them already to know that they actually do work. Now I've personally have always had a passion for success and to really be the best person that I can be. That's, that's pretty much my philosophy, not only in my relationship but in, in every area of my life. And I've spent a lot of my life looking at some of the, the great teachers, if you like, in different areas and thinking, what can I learn from them? What can I apply to my life and what's going to make a difference? And people in particular who've helped me in, in, in all sorts of areas of my life are people like John Martini. You might have heard of him. He, he has a program called The Breakthrough Experience, which is, is very powerful. And in fact, a lot of the things I talk about in terms of how relationships are put together, he talks about those things as well. I've read a lot of books, and one person I've, I've done a lot of uh, work with in the past, if you like, is the very well-known um, motivator and personal development and high-performance expert, Anthony Robbins. I'm pretty sure you would have heard of him. He's, he's, he's really famous. But the thing I like Tony Robbins, the thing I like about Tony Robbins, is that he's very committed to finding out in, in all of the areas of your life what actually works to give you the best possible result that you can have. And I've done lots of uh, seminars with Tony Robbins and lots of, I've read his books and done all of his materials and, and I found that a lot of his stuff is very, very good. Now when it comes to relationships, the other thing I've had the benefit of is a lot of failure. <laughs> and, you know, as, as I said in the very first podcast, and if you know anything about me, you'll, you'll know I'm not one of these gurus of relationships who's been married for 25, 30 years, never had an argument with, with my wife. Things have been absolutely blissful, and, it, and it's absolutely perfect. No, quite the opposite. In fact, I've had more failed relationships, really, than I have had successful ones. But the interesting thing is, when you think about that, is if you talk to any really successful person, and I'm not claiming to be a really successful person, but in the area of relationships, I'm proud to say I feel that I am a successful person now because I have an amazing relationship myself. But I think if you talk to any successful person, they will tell you that success comes as a result from big failure. In other words, learning through experience. And I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that that's actually what I've done. And I've had some very painful relationships and you know, I've, I've lost everything that I've owned more than once and had huge emotional turmoil through being in the wrong relationship. But that's given me a, a unique perspective, and particularly with my the, the things that I've learned from people like Tony Robbins and other personal development and, and high performance and relationship people, is I've learned what really works and what doesn't work on a practical level. And that's why everything I'm sharing with you is very practical. It's not about theory, and it's not about just uncovering why things are happening the way they are, because that's useful to a degree. But what you want to know is what to do. That's the absolute key. So as I say, I've, I've learned through trial and error what, 
what cr really creates a great relationship and and what to fix or how to fix things when they're going wrong in a relationship as well and that's one of the critical areas I share with people and, and I have a passion for wanting to help people with is to identify the right things to do and just to do them and you know I have tried counseling I've done lots of counseling for my own relationships and I can see that that approach you know my view is that it doesn't it's not really that effective it hasn't been for me and it hasn't been for a lot of people that I've talked to but some of the things I've learned through trial and error and through practical application are how do you make someone feel really loved on a on a really emotional level not just you telling them that you love them and them having them saying they don't feel loved by you how do you make them feel really loved and and how do you communicate properly and deeply with somebody about how you really feel and find out how, how they really feel and those things are keys to a successful relationship and a really happy relationship because what they do is create deep intimacy and trust which is absolutely what you need so anyway, I'm convinced that this information, if you use it, will really make a big difference in your relationship as well. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident about it. And in my podcasts and, and in my books that I've written and in my Save Your Marriage program that I, I do coaching with people one-on-one -on -one with, though all those things have a lot of information that I know really works. So I'm here to tell you I think it does work. So the next question you're you've got to, to ask is really um, or the next thing you need to do is actually just do some of these things and that comes back to the question I asked right at the beginning are you doing any of these things <laughs> and I'm not trying to give you a hard time here I'm just really trying to encourage you and to say that the difference is going to be made in what you do because you know knowing and doing something are poles apart they're completely different things. There's a, there's a huge gap between knowing something and actually doing it. And what I want to do for the rest of this podcast is to, is to give you some ideas. And I've got a step-by-step -step process right at the end, which I found is very, very powerful, to, that will help you to actually do some of these things, to get motivated, if you like, to take action, and then to see some results. And it's not as difficult as you might think but but what I see so much of and it's not just in the area of relationships but it could be in the area of health or people's career or business people know what to do but they don't do it they never get around to just taking that first step and we'll cover why that is in a moment but that's my goal for you is to give you a few ideas here so that you can start taking some action and getting the results that you really want to have that great relationship you want to have the the healed relationship you want to have Okay, so what's the key to doing? What's the key to taking action? And I think the real key is to make a commitment. And you know, the problem is most people aren't committed. And they're not just committed to saving their marriage or to making their relationship great. They're not really committed to anything in particular. And that's why I think we've created this whole society where there's lots of feel-good going on, but there's not a lot of action. There's not a lot of people actually stepping up and doing anything. And I don't want that for you. I don't want to just make you feel good and, and feel that there's hope. I want you to see some real results. And people don't, not only do they never even try something, but even, you know, if you take out, if you look at 100 people, 97% or 97 people out of those 100 will probably do nothing. Even if they think about doing something, they will never take the first step. And of the other three people, 
probably two of them will do something. Now that's good. But that one person who does one thing differently is going to get far more benefit and result than all of the other 99 put together. And the only thing they're, do they're doing differently is they're keeping taking action. So they're not just doing something once, but they just keep going. But very, very few people, as I say, either do anything at all and far fewer keep going. So why is that? You know, why have we created a society where most people want things and they talk about things and they, they feel good maybe about the thinking they're going to get it, but they never actually do anything about it? Well, I think it comes down to two things. And the first one is motivation. And people say they're motivated. They're obviously not motivated enough to take action. And what you need to take action, what you need to be really motivated, is you need to have some pain. And unfortunately, most people are more motivated by pain. In other words, by the feeling, well, if I don't do this, things are going to get unbearable. So they're motivated into doing something, if you like, because if they don't, then it's going to be too painful for them. And I'll give you a good example of that. I can guarantee you that if you were, wheel, if you were a heavy smoker, say you smoked a packet of cigarettes a day, and you were wheeled off to the hospital, and the doctor said, right, I'm going to have to operate on you, on your heart, you need a triple bypass heart operation uh, because of your smoking, but you need to give up smoking straight away, I guarantee you, you will give up smoking straight away. You'll be so motivated that it, it won't take you months or weeks or doing you know, nicotine um, withdrawal programs or whatever they're called or anything like that, you will do it straight away because the motivation, the pain, if you don't do it, is so great that you will just do it instantly. What I, and, and that's what I find with people often when they come to me in my coaching program to help them with their marriage is they have reached that point of pain where they really want to do something about it. They're, they're tremendously motivated. Their, their partner's left, they're having an affair, uh, or they're going to leave, you know, they're, they're on their way out the door, and they don't want them to go. They, they love them. They want to keep that marriage, that special relationship they've had, often over a long period of time. They want to, want to keep it special, and they want to get it back. So they're motivated by the pain to actually do something. But I don't want you to necessarily get to the level of pain and deep pain before you do something. So that comes to the second reason why people don't take action. And that is, I think, it comes down to their underlying beliefs about what taking action actually means. So here are some of the things I think that people think subconsciously which stops them from actually doing anything, even if they want something really badly. First off, they think that it won't work. Okay, so they look at some information and no matter how convincing the person is telling them, that they're just thinking, no, I don't think it's going to work. And they might think, well, this person's saying it works for them, but I don't believe them. Okay, so I don't think it's going to work, so I'm not going to try it. Try it. And unfortunately, when you've got that belief, what tends to happen is people never do anything. They don't believe anything's going to work. But you're, re you're never really going to know if something works or not until you actually try it. So that's the first thing why people don't take action, why they're not motivated to take action. The second thing is, they think it's going to take too much effort to do. They think, oh, you know, I've got too many other things on my plate, or I'm already trying really hard in a particular area, and it's, it's just going to be, take too much effort for me. But the funny thing is, when you start doing something, you realize that actually the biggest effort 
is in just getting going in the first place. Once you actually do it, it's not anywhere near as much effort as you think, and it doesn't take anywhere near as long as you think. You know, one, one good example I can give you from that is exercise. I mean, how much time, if you think, right, I need to do some exercise, I want to get fit, and um, so I'm going, you know, I'm, I, I need to do some exercise, but how much effort does it take you to actually think about it and get around to doing it when you could have just done it? You know, you could jump down on the floor now and do 10 press-ups, but I guarantee you, what, um, if you're like most people, you'll, be, you'll think about it for longer than it would have taken you just to do the 10 press-ups. So that's the thing. People think it's too much effort, whereas actually the real effort is just getting on and doing it. Once you're doing it, it's not much effort at all. And the third thing that stops people from really taking any action is they think it's going to take too long. And I heard a very a very powerful quote which I think is so true and I think it came from Tony Robbins when he said most people overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in a decade and you know the thing is that in five years time or ten years time you're going to be somewhere it doesn't matter what you've done in the meantime you're going to be somewhere so why not do start taking action so that where you end up even if it takes five or ten years, it's still going to be in a much better place than if you hadn't done anything at all. So nothing takes too long at all, because you're going to end up somewhere. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. And I think specifically, though, when it comes to working on your marriage and trying to save it, a lot of people think it's going to take too long and that they, they don't have the time in other words, if they think, well, if you know, my, my wife, she's walking out the door right now. I, I can't commit to 30 days or two years or anything. She, she's going right now. You know, I need, I need something that's going to fix this right now. And there's a couple of things about that. Firstly, you realistically can't expect to fix something that has possibly taken years to break down. Now, if your marriage, if you've been married for 10 years and eight of those years weren't too weren't too good and things just got worse and worse you know how how can you fix that in a day or in a week and I know there are plenty of things out there on the internet that promise you they'll fix things instantly you know save your marriage tonight or um, or in a week or whatever but really think about that realistically speaking why would you expect that you could repair something that's taken years to break down how, how can you expect to turn around and fix it completely instantly so that expectation that they people want a quick fix i mean that's that's really what society is filled with now it's all about quick fixes isn't it because we're promised quick fixes but they don't actually work particularly for things that have taken a long time to develop in, in the wrong direction and you know just that thing about getting in a panic over needing to fix your relationship now you don't need to fix it now if your spouse is leaving you or has left you you know you can get them back even if it takes five years if you're committed to. Even if they end up with somebody else. You can still get them back if you're really committed to doing that. So nothing is fatal when it comes to a relationship. I've seen it happen and I know it's true. It doesn't need to be fatal. You don't think it's only you giving up on it that is going to make it fatal. So don't if if you're thinking, you know, trying to fix your marriages, doing anything is going going to take too long. Don't get involved in that negative thinking because even if it takes a while, 
and it's probably, if you've got the right information, going to take you a lot less time than you expect. But even if it does take you a little while, isn't it going to be worth it? If you knew you were going to get there, even if it took you a little bit longer than you wanted, if you knew you were going to get there, wouldn't you do something to make sure you got there? I'm sure you would. Okay, so if you really want to save your marriage, if you really want to strengthen it and make it a, a wonderful place to be, which which in my opinion is the only way to live your life is in a great relationship with, because it adds so much richness to your life, doesn't it? So if you really want to create a relationship like that and if you want to save the relationship you've got, this is what I suggest you do. And it's, if you like, a six-step process and you can actually apply this to any area of your life that you want to achieve something and be the best person you can be or, or just achieve a goal. But this is particularly applicable to all the information I've been sharing with you and hopefully will continue to share with you and applicable to saving and strengthening your marriage as well. So this, these are the six, step, six things I suggest you do. First off is have a clear goal. Number one, decide what you want. Okay, so if you want to save your marriage, be clear on that. Yes, I want to save my marriage. I want to have the fantastic relationship we used to have. And if your marriage is really rocky, um, but not necessarily at the point of falling apart, you might say the goal, I want to have us really being close and intimate and happy and sharing fun times and really doing things together and being able to be trusting and loving. And, sh and I want to be able to share my innermost thoughts with my spouse and them support me in what I'm doing and me support them in what they're doing. So get very clear, that's step number one. Have a clear goal of what you actually want. Now step number two is to commit to doing whatever it takes to make it happen. Now that I'm not saying here to hope that it happens or to want it to happen or to try to make it happen. No, this is where you decide, you make a commitment that there is no other possibility there for you. You will not accept anything else other than what your goal is. You're not going to accept anything else other than your wife staying with you or your husband staying with you and you having a fantastic relationship. So you cut off all thoughts about anything else like, well, I hope it's going to be or I want it to be or I believe maybe it can be. No, step number two is to commit to doing whatever it takes to make it happen. In other words, you're coming from a place of knowing and certainty. Yes, you're not going to accept anything else. Okay, step number three. This is to have a positive mental attitude. So it's, it's a little bit similar to step number two, but this is about not admitting defeat. So your positive mental attitude says, look, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in hearing any other, any other excuses or thoughts or negative ideas or anything else. I know that I am going to get the goal that I want to achieve. Now you've got to have this positive mental attitude to yourself, so that's about telling yourself the right things. Don't say to yourself, oh, you know, I've, I'm, things are going badly and I, I'm, I'm really struggling. You've got to cut all those thoughts out of your head. And, this, and secondly, to your spouse as well. And this is one of the things I see. People want to save their marriage. They don't want their spouse to leave, but they... They don't give their spouse any particular joy and positive reason to stay. So if your spouse is saying to you, look, I want to end, end my marriage, end our marriage, don't say to them, oh, please stay, you know, I, I'm really going to miss you and, and I don't want you to leave and I won't be happy without you. None of those things are positive. 
that that's actually quite a negative um, approach, isn't it? But if you can say to them, okay, well, look, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what you say or think, I'm I'm committed to saving our marriage. I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'm really excited by that because I know we're going to have a fantastic future together. So that's what I mean about a positive mental attitude. And if they come back to you again and say, oh, well, I'm sorry, but that's not what I want, you say, okay, that's fine. I've told you what I'm committed to. And you just go and do the work, the right things, and take the right action to make what you want happen, because you will be able to. And that comes to step number four, which is to find the right information. Now, if you're committed, if you know what you want, if you're committed to, to getting what you want, and if you have a positive mental attitude that you, you're certain you're going to get it and you're not going to listen to any, any thoughts of doubt, then all you need to do is start looking for some information that's going to get you there. And you might need to find a few different things and you might need to, uh, it might take quite a lot of research and quite a lot of time, but just keep going till you find the right information that is going to work for you. And that's step number four. And step number five is to take one small step. Do one thing. I'm sure you've all heard the heard the well-known, I think it's a Chinese saying, you know, the longest journey begins with the small the first step, but it's absolutely true. And this is where so many people fall down. They don't take the first step. So all I'm suggesting here is once you've got some information, take one step. And this can be the most difficult thing of all, but you've just got to do it. Something I've done in my life a few times now is a fire walk. And I don't know if you've done that um, yourself, but if you haven't, or even if you have, it's a pretty interesting experience. Because it's not actually anything to do really with walking over some burning coals. What it's about is getting you to take and getting you to make a decision and take action. Because believe me, and if you've done this, you'll know what I mean. When you're standing there looking at 2,000 degree coals, and you're thinking about walking on it, there comes You've got to. You come to a point where you've got to make the decision: Am I going to do this or am I not? And that can be incredibly difficult just to take that first step. But that's all it takes is the first step. So number five is just take one step, do one thing. Don't expect it's necessarily going to be easy. But there's a big difference between having the information and actually doing something. So just take that first step. And step number six: just keep going. Just keep doing it. And if you need to adjust your approach from time to time, if you get if you find some of the information isn't working for you and you get some then get some more information and try something else. But just keep going till you get the result you want. And really that's it. And if you do those six things, I'm sure that you can transform your marriage, which is why you're listening to this. Just to wrap up, there's a couple of things I want to share with you. First of all, Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England, or the UK, in 1941, he spoke to a school, Harrow School in England, and he gave a speech. Now, everyone was expecting, of course, a long-winded political speech, but I'll, I'll tell you what his speech was. So this is him addressing a school in England, and he said to the, the pupils, and, quote, Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And that was his speech. And that's, that is so true. And when it comes to your marriage, 
listen, you know, remember that speech. That that's where it all comes down to. And I also want to share another story with you about the amount of time it might take to save your marriage and whether it's really worth it. And this is a lovely story. Um, I'm not sure where it comes from, but 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 see if you can really relate to this. And I'll start the story now. I got home one night, and as my wife served dinner, I held her hand and said, I want a divorce. She didn't seem to be annoyed by my words. Instead, she softly asked me why. I avoided the question, and this made her angry. She threw down the chopsticks and shouted, You are not a man. Well, we didn't talk to each other that night. She was weeping. I knew she wanted to find out what had happened to our marriage, but I could hardly give her a satisfactory answer. She had lost my heart to Jane. I didn't love her anymore. I just pitied her. And Jane is obviously the man's mistress. With a deep sense of guilt, I drafted a divorce agreement stating that she could keep the house, the car, and a 30% share of my company. She glanced at it and tore it to pieces. The woman who had spent 10 years of her life with me had become a stranger. I felt sorry for her wasted time, resources, and energy, but I could not take back what I had said. She finally cried loudly in front of me which is what I had expected to see in the first place, and the idea of divorce felt more real now. Well, I got home very late from work the next day and found her writing something at the table. I didn't have dinner, I just went straight to bed and fell asleep. In the morning she presented her divorce conditions. She didn't want anything from me, but she requested that for the next month we both struggle to live as normal a life as possible. Her reasons were simple. Our son had his exams in a month, and she didn't want to disrupt him with a broken marriage. She also asked me to recall how I had carried her into our bridal room on our wedding day, and had requested that I now carry her out of our bedroom to the front door every morning for the month's duration. I thought she was going crazy, but to make our last days together bearable, I accepted her odd request. We were both pretty clumsy about it when I carried her out on the first day, but our son was joyfully clapping his hands behind us, singing, Daddy is holding Mummy in his arms. His words triggered a sense of pain in me. I carried her from the bedroom to the living room and then to the door. She closed her eyes and softly said, Don't tell our son about the divorce. I nodded and put her down outside the door. We weren't as clumsy on the second day. She leaned on my chest and I could smell the fragrance of her blouse. I realised that I hadn't really looked at this woman for a long time. She was not young anymore, there were fine wrinkles on her face, and her hair was greying. Our marriage had taken its toll on her. For a minute I wondered what I had done to her. On the fourth day, when I lifted her up, I felt a sense of intimacy returning. This was the woman who had given ten years of her life to me. On the fifth and sixth day I realised that our sense of intimacy was growing again. It became easier to carry her as the months slipped by, and I suddenly realised that she was getting very thin. One morning it hit me how she was bearing so much pain and bitterness in her heart, and without really thinking about it, I reached out and touched her head. Our son came in at that moment and said, Dad, it's time to carry Mum out. To him, seeing his father carry his mother out had become an essential part of every morning. My wife gestured to our son to become closer to come closer, and hugged him tightly. I turned my face away because I was afraid I might start changing my mind. I carried her in my arms, and her hand naturally wrapped around my neck. I held her body tightly, just like on our wedding day. On the last day, when I held her in my arms, I could hardly move a step. I knew what I had to do. I drove to Jane's place, walked upstairs and said, I'm sorry, Jane, but I do not want my divorce. 
any more with my wife. It all became very clear to me. I had carried my wife into our home on our wedding day, and I am to hold her until death do us part. I bought a bouquet of flowers for my wife on my way home, and when the sales girl asked me what to write on the card, I smiled and said, I'll carry you out every morning until death do us part. Well, I got home, flowers in my hand and a big smile on my face, but my wife had died in her sleep while I was away. It turns out she'd been fighting cancer for a few months now, but I was too busy with Jane to even notice. She knew that she would die soon, but wanted to save me from a negative reaction from our son, in case we pushed through with the divorce. In the eyes of our son, at least, I would still appear to have been a loving husband. I carried her out for the last time. The small details of our lives, that I initially thought were boring and unimportant, are what really matters in a relationship. Not the mansion, the car, personal property or the money in the bank. These things may create an environment conducive for happiness, but they cannot provide happiness in and of themselves. So find the time to be your lover's friend, and to do those little things for each other that build intimacy. Many people do not realise how close they are to success when they give up. Powerful story. And that's my wish for you. Don't give up. Think of how special your spouse is to you. Think of the, the special times you've had in the past. What a, what a beautiful person they are. You know, take action. Do whatever it takes to create the incredible relationship you really want to have. You can create extraordinary passion and intimacy if you if you do the right things and if I say as I say if you actually do them if you take some action. So that's my real wish for you: do what it takes, take take action, and keep going until you get there. And remember, I'm here if you'd like me to help you personally. I have my Save Your Marriage program, which you can you can find details of on my website at liamnaden.com. You can also get my free report, The Five Keys to Saving Your Marriage Now, which is at growinginloveforlife.com. So use some of these tools, use some of these resources, and do something and create that wonderful marriage that you really want and deserve to have. So that's all for now. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye for now.